Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. It's time for how to when we address some of the life decisions we don't make very often. And today it is how to emigrate. Sarah Owens is policy officer with Crosscare Migrant Project. Good afternoon, Sarah. Good afternoon, Sean. It's uh, a pleasure to be here. Are, are, is there like a top three of places where people tend to emigrate to nowadays? Uh, I suppose Irish people always tend to go more so to English speaking countries. Um, so traditionally it would have been places like the States, but now it's probably more commonly places like Australia, Canada, and of course the UK, our nearest neighbour. Um, but increasingly people are going to other other places like the UAE, so it's a real widespread. Right, okay. Would there be significant amounts going to the UAE? I suppose the money is good there and all that. Um, there would have been a wave of people who went out to the UAE in recent years, people working as teachers, for instance. Um, a lot of teachers went out mm. to the UAE. Um, a lot of them have come home as well since then yes. as well. You know, um, I suppose there's just so many opportunities out there uh, and there's limitless options nowadays if you are thinking of emigrating. And for the most part, part people who emigrate, they tend to be solo travellers or single or people? It, it, there's a real kids? range. There's a real range. Um, I mean, there's for Irish people thinking of going abroad, um, I suppose the working holiday option for younger people is something that's really, really popular. Mm. So you have working holiday options to places like Canada and to Australia. And that's for people who are 18 to 35 so a really good way to emigrate if say for instance you're moving over without a job um, and you're going for the experience as well as you know um, um, uh, everything else and then for people who are maybe going over with family you know skilled workers for instance emigrating um, on visas and bringing their dependents that's something that would happen as well mm. um, but there's also people going to Europe where of course you don't need visas might be emigrating with a partner um, and of course the UK as well um, um, Irish people in the UK, um, it's obviously not an uncommon thing. Um, and since Brexit, we haven't really seen a drop off there. But um, yeah, I mean, I suppose proximity as well has something to do yeah. with that. So there hasn't been a drop off since Brexit? Um, well, the latest Central Statistics Office stats that came out were of April 2021. So look, we, we won't know yet what the impact of the pandemic has had in the last year mm-hmm. uh, and, and all of that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I mean, um, last year there was about 22,800 Irish people who emigrated abroad. Um, now with the borders reopening, it's probable that, that number will increase. Yeah, okay. And, and legally, is there any difference now to before Brexit uh, because we have a you know a separate agreement with uh, the UK anyway uh, about free movement. So is it pretty much the same as it was before? It's pretty much the same for Irish people. For yeah. Europeans, other Europeans, not Irish citizens, um, they would have to go through a settled status process. Um, but Irish citizens in the UK are treated the same as British citizens over there. So effectively, um, you could move over tomorrow if you wanted mm. and access the labour market with no restrictions. The same thing with, you know, while you were looking for work, you could apply for benefits. Um, in the meantime um, and you can access the healthcare system as well so it's 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 slightly different for Irish citizens than it is for other EU citizens going to the UK Yeah, w- would it but I assume it wouldn't be as simple as if somebody moves to Spain from Ireland I mean uh, in, ter- uh, in term within the EU that's more streamlined is it? Uh, as I said like it's really there, there are no barriers for Irish citizens going over to the UK you know mm. whether someone's going to the UK or to Spain they're going to be thinking about a lot of the same things in terms of their preparation before they go obviously someone going to Spain would 
probably need to speak Spanish, Spanish depending yes. on where they're going to. But yeah. otherwise, the UK is still a popular destination. You still have uh, Irish students going over there to study. And then you also have people who are commuting who may live in Ireland but work mm, in Britain. Yeah. That's not uncommon either. Yeah. And now, now, obviously, people have to kind of uh, uh, prepare for these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, so we'll, we'll, we'll say, I suppose, with the more straightforward example, that being uh, the UK, can, can, can you bring your PPS number with you or do you have to get a new one when you get there? It's a good question. So um, PPS number is an Irish number. So you mm. would need a national insurance number in the UK. And in order to get one of those, you'd need to put in an application and prove you that you have an address in the UK um, and provide details of your ID and so on and so forth. Now, that can take up to eight weeks to process potentially longer and some people don't know that so for instance let's say you were moving over and hoping to get some benefit assistance while you're looking for work you wouldn't be able to access that until you got your national insurance number mm. so that's something that people don't necessarily know initially um it's important to take note that you are moving to a different country immigration yes. is about that and therefore there's going to be a period of time to to get your ducks in a row before you go as well as on arrival um all the things you're going to have to do to to engage with services there find somewhere to live etc etc mm. and it was which implies, and I suppose this applies to the UK as everywhere else, you're going to have to have a few bob in your back pocket to tide you over for a while. Absolutely. Like anywhere, um, we would always say to people who contact us interested in looking at emigrating, have savings. You Mm. know, it's going to be expensive. I mean, you look just at at the flights, but the cost of establishing yourself somewhere, even if you're going over with a job, there's an initial outlay that you need to prepare for. Um, Now, because of the work that we do, and we're funded by the Government of Ireland to do this work with Irish emigrants, we do work with people who are emigrating crisis situations. And obviously, in a crisis, you're not going to be preparing. Mm. And so we work with a network of Irish groups around the world to provide support to people once they arrive. But that can be, you know, someone arrives with just a shirt on their back and they to access emergency supports. Obviously, that would be the exception rather than the rule. A lot of people who emigrate have done lots of research in advance, but it's when the dust has settled, they sort of have to remember to give themselves time to adjust. It's not all going to fall into place. It's going to take months, potentially a year, for you to, to find your feet where you are in your new home. Yeah, because I suppose a lot of people would have the experience they'd move to wherever it is, even if they know people there, even if there may be an Irish community there, You'll find the odd day we go, God, was this a mistake? I think I should go home. That's right. And that that's not unusual. I mean, I'm an immigrant myself. I have days like that even after 18 years in Ireland. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the, the, the one of the things that we found, we did a, a study back in, I think it was 2015 now, where we spoke to 500 Irish people who'd emigrated. The biggest thing that they talked about was homesickness mm. um, when it came to their emigration. And some of the things they said was, look, don't disconnect completely from home. Sometimes it can feel easier to do that. But actually keeping in contact contact with your family and keeping um, even connected with the country as such can actually help with some of that. Uh, and then for other people, they said, look, that, that absolutely doesn't work for me. I need to go out for a run and just clear my head completely. So everyone's different. Mm. But I suppose there's so many Irish people abroad and there's so many online communities where people talk about their experiences. There's plenty of places to get connected in, uh, not to mention all those groups that I talked about that, that, that are funded through the Immigrant Support Programme. I think there's over 500 around the world. Yeah. So wherever you go, there's going to be something Irish you can plug into, mm. even if you've left the country and you don't necessarily want to do Irish things. It's a great way to to establish yourself and just find your feet in your new home. Yeah. God, I wonder, uh, is there any country you could emigrate to where there isn't anything Irish? 
That, that would be inter- uh, an interesting that's kind of pub question. quiz question. Uh, <laughs> but I imagine there's probably one person that's emigrated there, so uh, that's probably why. Now, the, uh, the country is now where you need visas to travel to. And presumably you have to do a lot of this preparation in, in advance. What kind of preparation are we talking about? So, look, in terms of preparation, there's a lot of general things that we would advise. But particularly if you're going somewhere where you're going to need a visa, you're probably going to need to apply for that visa before you go over. And you're Mm. going to need to check that you're eligible. Just because you want to go somewhere doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to, uh, you know. So to to start with, looking at the official sources of, of, of information is the best place really to start because there's so much information out there, so much noise online that really going straight to... To the source is the best plan. So, for instance, if you're going to, um, let's say, you're going to Canada, um, the official website is cic.gc.ca. You go on there. There's a visa finder tool. You put in all your information, your skills, how long you want to stay, and it'll throw out a few options for you. So you can sort of quickly establish your eligibility based on that. Canada as well has has working holidays for young Irish people. So you could potentially go to Canada for up to three years on a working holiday, which means that you don't necessarily have to have work lined up beforehand. Um, There's three different streams. So for some of them, you have to have an internship. For others, you have to have an employer. But there is a stream where you can just move over and find work on arrival. Right. Um, But I assume there's an upper age limit on that. 35. Oh, right. So it's higher than a lot of people expect. It used to be most working holidays are around the sort of 18 to 30 mark. But yeah, 35 is a a higher amount. Now, what I will say about the working holidays, look, they're a great way to go abroad and have, have an amazing experience. Um, a lot of people then look to stay on in country and look at their options that way but something you can't do on a working holiday is you can't bring dependents so let's say you're in your 30s you Mm. have children you want them to come with you that's not going to be an option for you in most cases so you'll have to look at a different stream it's not to say you can't do it Mm. but you'll just be looking at a a different visa stream if you Uh, like and and that different visa stream does that invariably mean some employer wants to bring you in there Potentially. I mean, depending on where you're looking at going, it would be potentially employer sponsorship or uh, in places like Canada and in Australia, you can be sponsored by state to go over if you have the skills that they require. Um, Or potentially you can emigrate uh, independently. Um, And that's really going to depend on so many things, your age, your skills, your um, educational background um, and where in the world you're looking at. So best place to start is the official information sources and then once that gets you thinking about it in more detail i mean we're always there to have a chat as well we help people i suppose by trying to signpost them um to to to, to useful information to get them thinking about the questions that matter yeah. to them um is it because there is a perception that in some countries like for instance canada you can just hire a law firm and they can wangle it for you yeah, that's that's a really good point, and I think um, well, we look back at the reception, the, the recession. That's definitely what people did. You know, you can navigate these systems yourself. You don't need to outlay loads of money to a migration agent to help you with this stuff. However, if you are going to do that, just make sure that they're reputable and that hmm. they're registered. Like in um, Australia, you uh, if you're a registered migration agent, you'd be registered with somewhere called Mara, so you can check that the person you're working with is is on that register. Um, so just doing your due diligence, really, like you would with yeah. anything. 
because somebody told me a story recently that they were uh, this person feeling a bit fed up with themselves had a couple of glasses of wine saw online oh apply for Canada so filled it up and then forgot all about it and then three days later um, got an email saying yes you're accepted to go into and went what uh, and then got a phone call and it turned out it was from one of these agencies right. saying we're excited to work with you you know and then you know she said well thanks and uh, hung up because excited to work with you invariably means here's our massive bill Absolutely. in advance uh, b- before we do it uh, they, someone wants to know I'm wondering if I'm uh, if I'm, uh, I'm to emigrate to Bulgaria to retire is my pension social welfare payments paid to me in euros or lev the currency of Bulgaria that's a really good question. Uh, as far as I know, it'd be paid. It depends where your bank account is, I suppose. If you're, if it's being paid into an Irish bank account, it would be paid in euros. If it's being paid abroad, I think the bank would probably convert it to lev. Mm. Um, but that's something really easy to check with the the pension section in Sligo, Department of Social Protection out there. They have loads of experience with that sort of stuff. And you look, you know, you were asking me about people emigrating at different life stages. Retirees are also moving abroad. Yeah. And so yeah. you have dedicated government departments working to ensure that pensions are transferable. Uh, I've heard that your car insurance only lasts 31 days when you move to Spain. Is that true? That's a very specific question. It's I very... don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is very that. specific. <laughs> Actually, no, because I, I think I don't know about Spain specifically, but I think it varies from country to country what the regulations around those things are. And it's it's kind of, uh, some of them are quite contradictory Absolutely. and odd. I think it also depends on your your provider. Um, and things like your licence. Something to note, though, when it comes to driving is that uh, depending on where you're going, you need to check that you can actually drive on your Irish driving licence. And if you're planning to stay there for an extended period of time, you might need to exchange your Irish licence for uh, a local licence as well. Um, In other circumstances, you might need to get an international driving uh, permit to take with you. So that's just one of the documents to think about bringing, and there's a large list of those. Yeah, and and, yeah, obviously passport, so it would be pretty uh, vital uh, driving license. In in some places, do you have to prove you don't have a criminal record? You do. And more often than not, you'd be doing that as part of your visa process. So actually, you'd need to provide a police certificate. You get that through the Gardaí. Um, and it's part of the, I suppose, character requirements are what they're called. So for Australia mm. and Canada, you would need to, to provide that. It is obviously harder to emigrate if you do have um, convictions on your record, mm. but not altogether impossible. So if someone was in that situation, and unsure of where they stand again we'd suggest have a look at our website migrantproject.ie and get in touch with us by phone email or in person uh, also medical uh, medical systems in different countries vary so travel insurance would be vital travel insurance is vital and we would say medical insurance is vital yes, so yeah. although there's reciprocal healthcare agreements in place um, with various different countries with Ireland uh, you're not always going to be covered with those depending on what type of visa you have um, so medical insurance just ensures that you've got that extra bit of backup if something does happen or something untoward happens also with the reciprocal health agreements you might not be able to access certain things that you'll be able to when you have the the medical insurance. So it's always important to have your insurances in place. Yes, folks, do your homework. Sarah, thanks a million for coming in to us uh, today. That was Sarah Owens, their policy officer with uh, a Crosscare a Migrant uh, Project. Moncrief. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.